All right, Galatians chapter number 6, Galatians chapter number 6, and I've kept the service moving tonight because I want to have plenty of time uh, for the Bible study this evening. It'll be in Galatians chapter number 6, and for our text, we're going to read one verse of Scripture, uh, but we are going to turn to eight or nine places throughout the Bible study tonight, and so uh, keep your Bibles handy, and I'll give you instructions and directions of when to turn and where to turn, uh, but I'll tell you what we're going to teach on tonight, then we'll have a word of prayer and uh, get into the, read the text and get into the Bible study tonight, and I'm, I'm teaching on bearing the marks of Christ, bearing the marks of Christ. So let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray that you'll help us tonight as we look into the Word of God. Uh, may the Spirit of God be our teacher, our instructor. May the Word of God work in our heart and our life. And uh, may we be uh, motivated, may we be uh, inspired by what we hear tonight uh, to, if necessary, make some changes in our lives, surrender some areas of our life uh, so that we can better identify uh, with the one who saved us. And Father, I pray uh, that we'll constantly uh, be in a state of surrender, we'll constantly be allowing the Word of God to uh, shine a light into our life uh, so that we can continue to grow as a Christian. We ask you bless our time of study, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I read uh, Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 17. The Bible says, From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. That's the Apostle Paul speaking, very interesting verse. Uh, from henceforth, from this time forward, let no man trouble me, uh, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. The Apostle Paul, uh, obviously, greatly, greatly used of God. Perhaps, uh, of course, outside the Lord Jesus Christ, no man used in a greater way than the Apostle Paul. Uh, if it's, that's not true, he's certainly one of the men who has been used in the greatest ways. And uh, he was under persecution, constant persecution. We know his testimony, how the Lord saved him from a persecutor now to the persecuted. Uh, an amazing thing is, we, and we spent a year going through the book of Acts, so we got a good glimpse of the life and the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Uh, but he, he faced persecution. Uh, it did not deter him. Uh, he continued to be faithful, faithful all the way to the end. That's certainly a goal that you and I should have is to be faithful all the way to the end. But, you, but I remind you, what I've been reminding you a lot of lately is uh, those that we read of in Scripture, they're not a whole lot different than we are uh, in the sense that they were flesh. Uh, they had opposition. They had to get over themselves. They had to overcome their own shortcomings. And something interesting in the life of the uh, Apostle Paul is no doubt he had his critics. You remember when he was converted and, and the word began to spread around the brethren that Saul had been converted and we want to we get him discipled. We want to get him plugged in. Everybody's like, oh no, this is some kind of trap. This is the guy that has been killing us and now, but no doubt in his ministry, there was always some with a critical eye. The Pharisees in him never got along once he was saved. And he's making a point here. He says, from now on, don't trouble me. Don't bother me. Don't criticize me. Don't, 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 don't uh, continue to fight. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. I, I think I've proven my dedication 
the Christ. There's a greater meaning in that verse of Scripture that I want to bring out for you and I tonight. He says, For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Uh, in this period of time where the Apostle Paul lived, it was customary for slaves uh, they'd be branded or they'd have an ear or some part of their body pierced to show ownership that they were a slave that belonged to somebody else. Many pagan worshipers, worshipers of pagan gods, would brand themselves with a symbol that applied or showed that they worshipped a specific god. And Paul is giving reference to, I bear in my body, not the marks where I belong to a man, not the marks that I belong to a false god, but I bear the marks that I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. No doubt he is referencing uh, in, in literally, but also figuratively, but certainly literally in the fact that we know from the life of Paul that he endured beatings. He endured physical torture because of his stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. He had scars, literal scars. That's why, friend, uh, don't, don't, if you get bent out of shape because somebody didn't speak to you, you, you have a warped sense of dedication to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he had literal scars uh, to show for his dedication to the Lord Jesus Christ. And while some turned away, he was willing to be in prison. <coughs> well, some said, I'll not go that far. He was willing to endure beatings. While some said, let's not be, you know, uh, 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 fanatical in this, he would be stoned. He had literal scars to show. And while some were branded to show that they belonged to another man, he had the marks in his body to show that he belonged to the Lord Jesus Christ. While some would be branded to show that they were a worshiper of a pagan god, he had the scars and the marks that showed he was dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ. So when somebody with envy said, Paul is just in it for notoriety, he's saying from henceforth, just leave me alone with all that. I've got the scars to show my dedication to the Lord Jesus Christ. So I believe he was giving an, an analogy here that made sense to the people in that day. The fact that he had literal markings, scars to show that he belonged to God. He had counted the cost and he was willing to go all the way for God. But he also certainly, as any dedicated Christian does, not just has literal scars but has some emotional, has some spiritual scars. You get a sense in the book of 2 Timothy as Paul writes, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. You get a sense of the scar that betrayal will leave. and Some will turn back and some will not finish. But 
Paul had to dedicate himself to fulfill what it was that God had for him to do. And child of God, I'll remind you tonight that everyone in here, God has a will that he wants you to do for him. He wants some, There's something that only you can do for God. And I'll give a quick illustration. Every mother here who you're, you're rearing your children, you're the only one that can do that in the way that God intends for it to be done. That's the will of, that's an important thing for another generation. All of us have something that God wants us to do. And while in our minds sometimes we set ourselves up for disappointment because we think we're going to be able to serve God in a vacuum. No opposition. Everybody loves everybody. And everybody gets along. And governments are, 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 are not going to oppose. And, and we're going to go to the mission field. And, and oh, we're going to just give me six months. And we'll need to go to a different country because they'll all be evangelized. We have this mentality. Hey, Pastor, we moved to this side of town when everybody say, where are we going next? Well, it's, 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 we have this mentality. That's the way it is. But while God is working, the devil is also working. And if you and I are going to fulfill the will of God for our lives as a child of God, as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother, as a Christian, as a servant, as a Sunday school teacher, singing in the choir, whatever it is that God has for us, then we should belong to God. Paul had the marks in his body, the literal scars from the beatings. But he also had surrendered himself to the service of the Lord Jesus. Now, I'm thankful that I live in the United States of America. And I'm thankful that we have the freedom that we have. But you and I, in the day we live in, in 2019, we understand that those who hold to the word of God, they're under attack not like in other places of the world. And I thank God for that. And I don't ever, I, it's not something I'm looking, and I hope that God keeps us in, in our lifetime and in our nation away from the kind of persecution that in other parts of the world is taking place. I don't want to bear literal scars in my body because of beatings for serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't think you do either. But the question we have to answer tonight is, will we be willing to? And if we can't be dedicated enough to be in the house of God when the doors are open, how can we say we'd bear the literal marks? If we can't be faithful to the word of God, if we've got to argue with the spirit of God when he convicts our heart about something, how can we say that we would literally bear the marks of Christ? So tonight I want us to look, and we're going to look at several places. It's going to be very, very practical. We can bear the marks... Not literally at this point, as Paul could say. We could bear the marks or have our body in submission. As Paul had to determine he was in submission to the will of God, he endured those things. He had to submit his spirit. He had to submit his will. He had to submit his body 
And you and I can do the same thing in the night. I'm going to be very, very practical. And it won't take as long to take you long to see where I'm going with this. But I'm going to give us a list of how to tell if God owns us. How we can tell if God owns us. Now, the night is if you can check all the boxes, praise God. Rededicate yourself to live a life where God owns us. But if there's an area where we're lacking tonight, the Holy Spirit of God ought to convict us and be our instructor and our teacher tonight so that we can submit ourselves to Him. Turn with me to the book of Romans to begin with. Romans chapter number 10. And we've got eight or nine places, maybe even ten places to turn to tonight. Romans chapter number 10. And we won't come back to our text, so you don't have to hold the spot there. Romans chapter number 10, familiar verse of Scripture. The first area where we can begin to determine if we are truly owned by God is, number one, is our heart. Romans 10, 10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The first way to know if you're owned by the Lord, and I would trust and believe that everybody's got this settled tonight, is for our heart to believe unto righteousness. Are you saved? Have you been born again? Have you been converted? See, to be owned with, by Christ, it starts with the heart. It must be a heart where that conversion has taken place. For Christ to really own us, we have to be a child of God. For Him to really own us, we have got to be saved by the grace of God. And I would hope and I would believe tonight that everybody in here is saved and everybody is born again. But if you're not, you must get that settled in order for you to be owned by God to say, Hey, I'm willing to bear the marks of Christ. And we may not be asked to, be, to, to bear the literal scars of persecution for believing as we believe, but can a lost world, can, can our testimony be one where people look at us and they may not see scars and say, that's where they were stoned or that's where they were whipped for their belief, but by the submission of our body to Him, may they be able to tell they bear, this, this individual bears the mark of Christ. And it begins, number one, with the heart. For the heart man believeth unto righteousness. No man got saved just because they wanted to get saved. Their hearts, they had to believe in what Christ did for them. Number two, let's turn to the book of Hebrews chapter number 12. Another familiar verse. Hebrews chapter number 12. And the second thing we'll look at tonight where it's evidenced of whether or not we belong to Him. We bear the marks of Christ in our body. Number two is our eyes. And I'm not going to talk specifically about you should look at these things and shouldn't look at these things, but look at Hebrews 12 too. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Friend tonight, where do you cast your eyes when you're in trouble? When do you, where do you cast your eyes for leadership? There are many who have believed with their heart, but they have yet to cast their gaze on the one 
who save them on a daily basis. And as we look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, I bring your, your mind and your memory back to us going through Hebrews chapter number 12 when we refer back to verse number 1, which refers to our race, the race that we run. As we look to Jesus, as we run our race, every one of us has a race that we are running for Him. It is not a comparison. It is not a sprint. Just to be very quick, but to remind us tonight, you win your race if you just finish. You don't have to be first because there's no way to determine who is first. You just have to finish. God wants you to run the race that He has designed for you. And while you run your race, wear your eyes. Who are you looking to for leadership? Who are you looking to for approval as you run your race? Hey, don't, don't look for, for, for approval from those who's, who's running the race themselves. Look to the one who you're running the race for. Look to the one who you're trying to please as you run your race. And a lot of Christians get sidetracked because they're... When I, when I, when I was younger, I learned very, very quickly as I started getting in, into sports... If you're sprinting, you don't ever look back. And if you have, if you if you break away on the football field and, and you you don't look behind you to see who's trying to catch you, because that just slows you down. And, and I learned that very, very young to not do that. Uh, now I can't think of any reason to run whatsoever. It causes where's Daniel? Is he not here tonight? Oh, okay. I'll come. Y'all wouldn't get it then. Uh, no, no, reason to, no reason to run. But I learned as you run your race, keep your eyes on the finish prize. We should look unto Jesus. There's a lot of Christians get discouraged because their eyes are not where their eyes should be. So this, that's how we know. That's how we can bear the marks. I'm only concerned about my Savior being pleased. Number three, turn back to the book of John. John chapter number 10. John chapter number 10. As we think of this idea, this mindset of being completely surrendered or owned by God, Paul could say, look at the marks in my body. There's proof. This lost world, our brothers and sisters in Christ, ought to be able to look at us and our body, maybe not see scars, but see the surrender. And number three, we think of our ears. John 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. You know why lost people have a hard time getting a hold of true spiritual things? Because they can't hear the voice. Because they don't belong to him. That's why, we, we, that's why it's, there's never going to be a, 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 an agreement with a lost world. There's never going to be an agreement with even religious people who are not saved because they don't know the voice of God. So as we hear the voice of God, how many of you are saved tonight? So we know God has our heart. We've believed with our heart. Now you have to constantly surrender your heart, but we, we were saved. And so... 
we hear His voice. And because of that, He knows us and they follow me. We are ears, we hear the voice of God. If we're owned by Him, don't we, shouldn't we follow Him? Don't we follow Him? Uh, there's a lot of things I've, I've never been, but I've never been a shepherd. And you might be surprised by that. Um, but I, I've read and I have heard that the sheep, kind of like maybe your pet would get used to, but the sheep, they know the voice of the, their shepherd. They know the voice of the one who is to care for them. They know the voice of the one who it is that protects them. And when the voice of God speaks and we have given him our heart in salvation, well, we, we listen intently. And I, I don't have time, but I'd like to expand on this, the, the leading of the Holy Spirit, the uh, the word of God as it speaks to us, we listen and we hear and we follow. Friend and I, as we think of ownership and God owns us, and by the way, let me just interject here. Um, our goal should be for, for this world to see that he owns us. And so that's why we, 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 we are going to live a certain way, not that this world owns us. That's why there should always be a distinct difference between a lost man and a saved man. Because as we surrender ourselves to God, I won't, when Paul, people would see, oh, there's the Apostle Paul. Oh, they could see the marks that, that Paul had proven that Christ owned him. This world ought to see us in, in our actions and know that he owns us. Turn with me to the book of Exodus and I only have 19 tonight. The book of Exodus. No, I only have eight. See, I say a really big number at first, so you go, oh, and then when I cut it down to eight, you're like, oh, that's not so bad. <laughs> Exodus chapter number 34. Exodus chapter 34, and for number four, we're going to consider our face. In verse 30, And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him. Why did his face, why was it showing like it showed? Why was there such a difference and they were afraid to talk to him? Because he had spent so much time with God. He had fellowship so closely with God, it reflected in his face. The application is easy here for you and I as a Christian. If we're going to bear the marks of Christ, if, if, if we're going to be able to show this world that we belong to him, and friend, maybe you've never thought about it like this, but that should be our goal. I want, I want him to have all of me. I want him to know that, that if it was asked of me to pay the ultimate price, I would pay it. But we're not even going to have to, to even get to that place if we can't surrender our lives now, if we can't surrender our bodies now. The, the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, which we, we've been in so many times in, in our past studies, talks about in those last days that 
those all who live godly shall endure persecution. There's a lot of Christians that don't have to worry about that because they're not living godly. And we should have a desire to live in such a way that this world knows that Hollywood does not own us. The world system does not own us. And dare I say it, in the south, in the fall, the NFL does not own us. But God owns me. How's your face? That's a loaded question tonight. But does it shine because you spent time with God? Does it glow? Can people tell that you walk with God? Those you work with, can they tell? They may not be able to word it exactly like you and I would word it, but can they tell there's something different? Well, there's a Christian who's different than everybody else who says they're a Christian. There's a glow about them. There's a difference about them. Friend, you cannot spend continued fellowship with God and it not change the way you look. I don't just mean in, in what, what, what you put on and don't put on, but certainly that applies. But, but in the way uh, that you, your, 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 your reflection of Christ, um, it, you know, it's hard to be uh, mean and angry and nasty if you're spending time with God. Uh, we give it away. Whenever we're one of those things, mean and angry and nasty, we're just telling everybody, I ain't spending time. Well, I'm just in a bad mood. You're telling the world when you say that, I haven't spent time with God. Pastor, are you saying you've never been in a bad mood? Oh, yeah. I, I have three daughters. That, that's why I spend time with God. We all can get in a bad mood. You ever been to Walmart? We all can be in a bad mood, but pray up before you go. What I'm saying is, is we have got to determine, determine that I have to, I'm going to spend time with God on a regular basis and a regular basis and a regular basis. And before long, it's going to show in us, things are going to change in us. But then as we, as we fall in love with fellowshipping with God, we'll find as we find five minutes over here where we used to turn on the TV, or we used to turn on the radio, driving down to the cars, like, you know what, I just want some quiet so that I can spend time with God again. And until you get in a regular fellowship with Him, you're not going to get to that place. But our face ought to show that there's something different. That we've spent time with God. God owns us. He owns us. We don't have a problem spending time with Him. Number five, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. And verse number 1, as we consider our hands, as God owned us, we consider our hands, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, we then as, what's that next word? Workers, together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. What a wonderful verse. 
What a great reminder that our hands ought to be busy working for Him. The, the best part of this verse is that we're working together with Him. You know, that's a good reminder, just as a side note. We don't have to accomplish anything. We've just got to be willing to labor with Him. He does the work that we cannot do. But are our hands, Christian, are they busy for the Lord? They could be busy in literal service that you use your hands. But they could be busy folded in prayer. They're busy in different areas of service. God never intended for a Christian to not serve in any way. That's one of the reasons why He gives us the local church. So that we can work for Him. So that we can do for Him. Boy, our hands ought to be busy working and laboring for Him. You know, that's one reason how people see, that's one way people can see that we belong to God, that we, we belong to Him, is that we're willing to work for Him. We're willing to make sacrifices for Him. Well, I, I just don't, I think, I think, Pastor, you're asking too much. We need this and this and this and this. It, you know, are we paying attention in the world? You know, have, have you ever I mean, Satan himself wrote that doctrine. But they're dedicated enough to go on a two-year mission trip. They're dedicated enough to ride a bicycle. They're entrenched, in it, but yet you can't get you can't get a Baptist. To give an extra day, an hour. And we've got the truth. You know, today is September 11th. I think we realize the significance of, of this and of today. In those that believe Islam. And just to reiterate, there's not radical and non-radical Islam. It's all Radical. They're willing to murder innocent men, women, and children in the name of their religion. And we can't ever hand out a gospel tract. We can't ever speak to anybody about God. It's going to be convicting to all of us tonight. Does God own us? If he owns these hands, if he owns your hands, then they're busy for him. Then we're, we're laboring for him. This world can see there's something different about this one who names the name of Christ because he's busy for his God. He's working for his God. He believes that he's doing something for him. Number six, quickly turn to the book of Acts chapter number one. Acts chapter number 1, a verse <coughs> you might can quote, we've, we've spent many a day there, verse number 8, as we talk about our tongue, number 6, our tongue, Does, if God owns us, that means He owns our tongue too, 
But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. Are we a witness? Do we use our tongue for a witness? You, you, can, you, can, you can go door to door and talk to complete strangers and be a witness. You can strike up a conversation with your next door neighbor and as you get done talking about how bad the Jaguars are or this and this and this, do you know you, realize, you can realize that you can use that relationship to be a witness with your tongue? As a preacher of the gospel, you get up and you preach a gospel message, that's being a witness, but you don't have to be a preacher to be a witness. Can you imagine if Christians use their tongue to tell the lost about the, the gospel instead of telling the lost about everything that's wrong with other Christians? Can you imagine how many people might would get saved? It, does God own our tongue? Very quickly with this in mind, Colossians chapter number 4. Colossians chapter number 4. In verse number 6. I'll start reading and let you catch up with me. Colossians 4 verse 6. Let your speech... Be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. If God owns our tongue, should our speech be with grace? See, somebody makes me mad. As a child of God, if he has my heart, Yes, if he has my body, if I'm willing to say he has ownership of me, I don't get to respond how I want to respond. I must respond how he would have me respond. And quite frankly, we've all failed in that area. But if God truly owns us, it's something that we have got to. When Paul knew that if he continued to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was told, if you continue, you're going to face persecution, you're going to be thrown in jail, you're going to be beaten, he had to decide, I'm still going to preach the gospel. A conscious decision was made, I belong to him, this is what he has for me to do, so therefore I must do it. And I, as a child of God, we have got to make a conscious decision that I belong to Him. He owns me. We like to say, oh, God owns me. But let's get specific. Does He own our eyes? Does He own our ears? Does He own our hands? In this case, does He own our tongue? Is our speech seasoned with grace? A Christian ought to talk like a Christian. Not just in the kind of words they use. That's applicable. A Christian shouldn't use curse words. A Christian shouldn't use vulgar words. A Christian shouldn't use slang words. A Christian shouldn't take the Lord's name in vain. A Christian shouldn't use the words, the same terminology that, that, that this world uses. 
we can, a lot of times as independent Baptists, we hammer that. And it should be pointed out. But oh, it goes further than that. It goes beyond that. Our words ought to be seasoned with kindness. Think for a moment. When they were cursing Jesus, beating Him, plucking the beard out of His face, how did He speak to them? Not with the anger that you and I would probably use. That's our model. That, that, that's our, he's our pattern. If, we, if He owns us, He owns our tongue, our tongue should be used to witness and not gossip. Our tongue should be used to witness and not slander. Our tongue should be used to witness and not be a busybody. But our tongue should be used with grace. Does he own it? Well, it's this is this is a this is a simple Bible study, practical, but pretty convicting. Number seven, book of Philippians, chapter number four. Philippians chapter number four. Number seven, we consider our mind. Verse number eight. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Do you ever think about what you think about? Undisciplined minds are destructive. And we all have an undisciplined mind unless we take, make the point to discipline them. Here's a list of things that we should think on. See, this is not critical at all, but I think we have done ourselves a disservice because we'll preach, don't watch this, don't look at this, don't look at this, and don't look at this. And there's certainly going to be times when I come to the pulpit and there's something that I need to warn you about, I'm going to warn you about it. But see, I think we can cut all that out if we just come to Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8. And if there's something on television that makes you think of something that is contrary to this list, I shouldn't have to be specific about it. Does he own my mind or not? That's why some of you ought to clean out your social media accounts. Because those associations or things you see doesn't bring your mind to this. You, you may want to... See, this, this is what we got to get to. How does this affect me? Well, Pastor, I don't want to affect them. I, I'm going to answer for my mind. I'm going to answer for my actions. How is our mind? What are we thinking on? And long before we know this, and I'll just throw it in, and it's good for us to be reminded because we're talking about our mind. Long before we act it out, we're thinking about it. 
So this is what we should think about. If he owns us, we should think on these things. He owns our mind. That's the most difficult thing for us to get under control. 2 Corinthians 10. As soon as I get there, I'll start reading. But 2 Corinthians 10, verse number 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And that covers a whole lot right there. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I don't guess anybody's really going to be able to be honest and say, I've arrived. Because if we could bring every action into captivity, we couldn't bring every thought. But yet that's what we're told to do. Our mind, does God own our mind? Think about it as you leave tonight. Think about it when you get up and go to work in the morning. Think about it when you go about your day the rest of the week. Where's your mind going? Think about what you're thinking about. And then, that's why you ought to, you ought to memorize Scripture. Listen, say, well, my mind, I'm having a hard time with my mind. Listen to preaching more than Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. That's a good start. But listen to preaching. I'll tell you where to get it, and I'll tell you where not to get it, but listen to preaching. It helps control, capture the thoughts of your mind. Don't fill your mind with things. That's going to make it harder for you to bring every thought into captivity as would please God. Uh, Number eight, and I'm out of time, and it's the last one. John chapter number 12. John chapter number 12. And we're going to look at verse 26. But number eight, we're going to consider our feet. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. If any man serve me, let him follow me. Wait, are we, are we serving God? Are we serving self? Are we serving God? Are we serving another man? Are we serving God? Are we serving our own motivation, our own passions? Serve God with our life. It's amazing where our feet go, the rest of us go with them. And Christians can try and make any kind of argument that they want, but if they have a local church to attend that's about preaching in local church and they don't attend it, They can't make an argument that they're really serving God as they should serve God. It's an amazing thing. You know how all of you got here and sat in that seat you're sitting in? Your feet brought you here. We follow Christ. We follow His direction. Serve. Serve. We think of our text, we think of the Apostle Paul. And because we had so many to get to tonight, we move very quickly. We said, I bear the marks of Christ in my body. The Apostle Paul counted the cost. He stayed faithful. 
You and I sit here tonight, much to the human credit of the Apostle Paul. He paid the price. When others in that day, with a hot iron of some sort, were getting a brand, a literal brand to show that they belong to another man. Or a brand with a design, a logo, if you will, that said that I worship this pagan god. Paul's arms were stretched out and he was beaten. He was stoned. He was imprisoned. He had literal scars. Those were his marks. It wasn't a brand. It wasn't a piercing. They were the scars that showed his dedication. So when the world, when the critic, when the naysayer, the one who said he can't be as sincere and those that would, that, that would look to him, that God would allow them to just cross their path to bring conviction in the message that he was preaching, they could see the literal scars and say, he belongs to Christ. Yet in this day we live in, there are some Christians who figuratively speaking and sometimes literally speaking brand themselves as they belong to a world system, they belong to another man, they belong to a pagan god, when we can't even allow our eyes to look to Him, our ears to listen to that still small voice, we can't use our hands to labor for Him, we can't use our feet to serve Him, we use our tongue to tear down and to not to be a witness, we use our tongue and turn people away from Christ because there is no grace, there is no love, uh, there is no mercy in our speech. We can't allow God to do a work in our, our life because He doesn't own our mind. We need that renewing of our mind, but we filled our mind with so much Hollywood and so much uh, of the filthy music of the world today and so much philosophy of paganism, and we're so plugged into this world, we can't think on these things because we're not renewing our mind by the Word of God. Because we're not allowing Him to fill our mind with the things that we're instructed to think on. Does God own you? He owns us in the sense that we are bought with a price. But when this world looks at you and I, we may not be asked to bear physical scars of beatings because of our loyalty to Christ. But this world ought to look at us in this temple that we live in, this body that we have, and by what we do with our eyes, our ears, our tongue, our mind, our feet, our hands, the world ought to say, they belong to God. They belong to Him. It's a list, a good checklist for us. Uh, if there's an area that you personally, you need to work on, you've got the scripture to help you. You've got the thought that ought, that, that ought to put the pressure on us tonight as Christians. 
I'm convinced in this world we live in, there are people, they are hurting, they've tried everything in this world, they're looking for the answer. And if they, sit, they cross paths with somebody who God owns, it's going to make a lasting impact on them. You know, it, should, it shouldn't be this way. When, when I do business, they say, well, I'm a Christian, I almost don't want to do business with them. Because that's code for I can't trust you. Christians have done me more damage and harm than lost people have. Shouldn't be that way. Shouldn't be that way. Does God own us? Boy, I hope He owns you. First of all, your heart. I hope you're saved. And uh, let's let the rest of us fall in line with the ownership. Father, I pray that you'll take the last.